So um, last week, we started our series on how great is our God. And we talked about how powerful God is. And today we're, we're going to talk about how smart God is, I guess, uh, how insightful he is. Historians sometimes will divide up human history into eras, you know, handy chunks you can talk about. And they're more or less based on the prevailing level of education and technology. So the earliest period, the earliest historical period, I should say, would be the Stone Age. And that's exactly what it sounds like. Humans made things out of rocks. You know, they'd find some flint on the ground and sharpen it. And they, they made fairly simple tools and weapons, and they could shape it a little bit, you know, but there wasn't much they could do. And then somewhere along the way, people figured out how to mix and melt and mold metal. And so was born the Bronze Age. And generally speaking, if you had Bronze Age technology, then you had a massive advantage over the folks who are still stuck in the Stone Age. After the Bronze Age came the Iron Age, and that went all the way up through the, the Classical period. And then the barbarians wiped out all the smart folks, and they burned all the libraries, and we wound up with the Dark Ages. But eventually people started reading and thinking and making beautiful art again, and we had, uh, anybody? Renaissance, that's right. And after the Renaissance, we started making bigger and bigger machines, and they allowed just a few people to do the work of hundreds or thousands, and that ushered in the Industrial Age. And we progressed rapidly from steam trains to motorized horseless carriages. Some of y'all came in one of those today. Um, to simple flying machines. And before you knew it, we entered into the space age. And how do you top the space age? I mean, good gracious. What could be more advanced than the space age? Well, we live in the information age. And that doesn't sound as cool as the space age. But the implications are pretty astounding. Um, and this iPad in front of me has more memory and computer, computing power than the machines that put men on the moon. Um, check this out. I found this this morning. Um, this is an SD card. It has room in it for, if you want to put the text of, of a novel in here, this thing could fit um, 128,000 books. Have you ever been to a library with 128,000 books? And whoop, goes in the watch pocket. That's nuts, guys. Like, human history has never seen something like this before. And we take this stuff for granted. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I can't instantly pull up a video on YouTube, the moment I go searching for it, I start to panic that something is wrong or broken. And... Speaking of YouTube, I'm not sponsored, but we are streaming there. Hi, YouTube. Um, do you know you can learn just about anything there? There are tutorials on how to string a guitar, how to change the alternator on your specific model of car, how to properly cut a mortise and tenon joint, how to fold a fitted sheet. It is possible, guys. <laughs> how to speak in a Scottish accent. You name it, it's out there. And most of it's free. 
Information is so readily available to us that education has fundamentally changed. You know, a lot of you, when you grow up, you had to memorize just tons of facts and names and dates, and that's, that's not really how things are taught these days. After all, if you don't know something, you can look it up in seconds. Like, I have a prosthetic brain in my pocket. It knows all the phone numbers of all the people I love. It has my calendar in it. Um, I could wake up with amnesia tomorrow and still navigate pretty okay. And, and you remember when your math teacher used to say, guys, you got to learn how to do this longhand because you're not always going to have a calculator with you. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> Everybody has a calculator all the time. So just, just about every aspect of our life is inundated with, with information. And not just that it's all coming in, you know, just about every part of your life or the typical person's life has been captured as data. People's buying habits, their sleep patterns, their favorite movies, their political leanings, traffic patterns, wait times in the Starbucks drive through countless... I'm, I'm serious, guys. Countless other factors are being measured, recorded, and parsed and fed into algorithms. Just everything today is data. And the amount of data being collected and transmitted every minute just staggers the, the, the imagination. And yet, God sees and knows not just all of it, infinitely more. You know, historians and archaeologists and cosmologists, they... they they weren't there to witness it, right? So they gather all the best evidence they can to try and piece together an accurate account of the past. I guarantee you, if somebody writes a biography of George Washington, they weren't there, right? And that's a, it's an admirable job, it's an important job, but, but God was there. He witnessed it all. And, you know, one of, the, one of the challenges of being a historian, for example, is you've got to kind of try and sort out people's biases. You know, if you read a letter from a guy at the time, that's really good, but that guy is going to have opinions that color what really happened. But when God sees the thing, he sees the thing as it is, unbiased truth. Whatever event it is, whatever era or age, God was there. He witnessed it, and he recalls it perfectly. Now, on the flip side, you've got people like economists and meteorologists and anybody whose name has analyst in it. And what they try to do is they try to read the, the signs and the trends of today and make... they cringe for me to call it this, but an informed guess as to what will happen tomorrow. And even with the incredible amount of data we just talked about flowing all the time, how often do we hear phrases like unforeseen or unprecedented on the evening news? 
we can't even say with certainty whether or not it'll rain today. But God, God sees it all. He doesn't project into the future, right? He stands in the future. <laughs> he, he witnesses it. And, and his, his piercing gaze just sees it all. There, you, it is impossible to surprise God. So that's cool in the abstract. It's fine. He's God. But it starts to get a little bit uncomfortable then when we start to think about what it means for us. See, a, a God that knows it all is a God that can't be fooled. He's a God from whom you can't keep secrets. I'm not saying you're not allowed to keep secrets, right? I'm saying it's impossible. Hebrews 4.13 says it this way. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him we must, to whom we must give account. I don't like the sound of that. I don't like the idea that I stand naked and exposed in front of somebody to whom I have to give an account. I don't much, yeah, yeah. This is me self-editing so I don't say something I shouldn't on camera. Whenever you read through the story of Adam and Eve, it seems so foolish that they would try to hide from God, right? I mean, you read it, they... They eat the forbidden fruit, and then they realize for the first time that they're naked, and their, their first emotional response to that is shame. They feel ashamed, and they never have before, but they do in this moment. And so what do they do? They die for cover in the bushes. You're like, guys, this is God you're hiding from, right? As if God wouldn't see I mean, like, I could see, <laughs> you know, hey, this bush has feet, kind of weird, right? But they hide from God. And yet, are we any less foolish when we pretend like God doesn't see our sin? Are we any less foolish when we think that he's forgotten us or that he doesn't notice us? Or maybe we think he's there at three in the afternoon, but not at three in the morning. Jesus teaches us that God knows the very number of hairs on our head. How many of us can claim that we know that about ourselves? There might be a few folks in here, if the number's low enough. (laughs) You're (laughs) grieving every time it ticks down by one. But I mean, that's an illustration. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this was written today, Jesus might not have said, hairs on your head. He might have said, he knows the very number of cells in your body. Think about that for a minute. That means that God has a knowledge of you that is so intimate that he knows you better than you do. 
He knows things about you that you don't, and maybe that you never will. He literally knows you better than you know yourself. There's, there's things about me that I don't want people to know because I'm human, you know? Here's what's truly remarkable. God knows all of those things. And without any ignorance or denial, he loves you. He loves you anyways. He loves you despite your imperfections. He loves you in spite of the secrets you're trying to keep from him. He loves you in spite of the mistakes that you regret. And he will love you no matter what tomorrow brings. St. Paul wrote this in his letter to the Romans. He said, I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God knows your whole story from beginning to the end. He knew exactly what it would take to bring you from your broken past into the incredible future that he is bringing you into. It was pretty expensive to do it. It cost him his son. But he did it because he loves you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to lay down his life for you and for me. Jesus knew the very sins that we would try to hide, and he took them on his shoulder, and he carried them up the hill where he was crucified. God saw and knew your sin, but that's not what he sees when he looks at you. Now, I told you, God sees the truth, right? And when he looks at you, he doesn't see all those sins because Jesus took them from you. What God sees when he looks at you is his beloved child because that's the truth about you. With a God like that, you can have a relationship unlike any other. Maybe, I'm not saying you have, but maybe sometime in your life you've looked at somebody you love or you looked at a friend and you thought to yourself, if only you knew what I was really like, I don't think you'd stay. Maybe you looked at somebody and said, if, if only you knew about my past, I don't think you could love me anymore. Here's the incredible thing. God knows. And he loves you more than you will ever know. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you're a God from whom we can't keep secrets. We thank you that you're a God who sees things as they really are. You know, we sang a song during our communion that says that you see the depths of our hearts and you love us the same. That's an incredible, that's an incredible love. I'm sure I'll never match it. and 
I don't think anybody else here in the room will. We do ask, Lord, that you'll help us to learn to forgive the way that you do, to love the way that you do. And we give you thanks, Lord, for your wisdom, for your insight, for, for the fact that you, as it said in Isaiah, that you see the end from the beginning. And because you're wise, if you're going to carry us somewhere, no matter what the middle looks like, and it might look pretty rough, we can trust you because you're taking us to the end that you desire, a good end for those that you love. I pray, Lord, um, for all the folks who hear this message today, um, that we wouldn't leave it in the chair when we get up from worship today, but that that your words to us and, and this aspect of who you are, that it would stick in our hearts, that we contemplate it throughout the week, that we'd be moved by it. I pray, Lord, for some, some folks today who heard your message that have been too ashamed to admit some sin in their life to you. I pray, Lord, that you'll move them to honesty and that they'll hear as they confess to you honestly, that they'll hear your grace wash over them to say, my son has paid for that sin. I know it was not a secret. It does not shock me. It does not surprise me. I love you anyways. I want better for you. And I forgive you. We thank you that you're a God of grace and second chances. A God who hears our prayer. A God who moves to answer our prayers. The God who loved us so much, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.